Welcome to The Life of Christ, Series 2, Term 4. This is Lesson 30. We're going to pick up where we left off. Now, I gave you a mouthful in the last session. We got to John chapter 2, verse 22. And then I gave you a comment that William Hendrickson made that was quite involved. Uh, there was a fair bit in that. So I want to go through that now. So let's begin in John chapter 2 and verse 22. It says there again, Therefore when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture, all right, the Old Testament concerning his resurrection, and the word which Jesus had said. Remember again the word that he said, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now in summary, William Hendrickson said here again, and let me just go through this slowly. He says, by means of this temple cleansing, remember again that Jesus had just cleansed the temple. Remember that? Okay, and so all of this is happening after that event. That was a very confronting event to all the religious leaders. Alright, because nobody had done anything like that before. They would come in and they had rule over everyone. They would bow, all the people would bow to them and, you know, they would, they would just have this place of honor and nobody would question anything. Of course they knew all kinds of stuff was going on, but you know what I'm trying to say, <clears throat> okay? Uh, you know, it, it, it's like, if you can think of a religious leader, I'm going to mention any names, okay? But a particular religious leader maybe today, that you might have all sorts of issues with, but if he walked up to you, you'd go, oh, yes, sir, yes, okay, you know, there'd, there'd be that instant respect. Do you understand? For the office. Maybe not the man himself, but the office itself. And that's what people sometimes take advantage of, if I could say that. All right? They take advantage of their office. And I've seen that happen with pastors a lot of times. They, they shouldn't do that. Amen? And you know, one of the things that God always said to me was, be very careful as, as people are submitting themselves to you. You become responsible for now how you look after them. Not how you take advantage of them. Anyway, getting back to this... He says, by means of this temple cleansing, Jesus first attacked the secularizing spirit of the Jews. Means they became so secular, they became so worldly, that they had got to the place where they didn't even realize how worldly they were. And all the things they were doing by having business going on in the temple... Do you understand? They had just taken something that was holy, that was meant to be separated unto God, and made it into a commonplace. People selling and buying and arguing about prices. And you know, all that stuff would have been going on. In the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles are having church. Are you all with me? So that was just horrendously bad. And so this is the first thing. When he cleansed the temple, he said, this is not meant to happen. This stuff has got to stop. Let me just say this, some churches today need to learn that. And, and it's, it's very easy for it to happen, especially when people put pressure on you. And we've had that happen a couple of times. Alright, second, he exposed the corruption and the greed that was going on. Alright, so not only had they turned it into sort of a business arena, alright, and secularized the whole thing, but the kind of business they were doing, it was corrupt. I mean, you know, it's one thing if you came in and at least you got a fair deal. It was in the wrong place, but they did the right thing by you. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, at least that would have kind of balanced the other out a little bit. Okay, it's like, dude, move this outside. It's a good job you're doing, just in the wrong place. But no, it was in the wrong place and they were ripping people off. 
So that was something else. So Jesus is letting them know, wrong place, wrong motive, wrong everything. Alright, that was the second thing. The third thing, he attacked the anti-missionary spirit. Now, remember again, this is what I was talking about before, that that was where the Gentiles came to worship God. Alright, I mean, what a horrific thing. This is the place where people outside of the Jewish race found God and wanted to come and worship this God that the Jews were on about so much. And instead of giving them any kind of place of honor, they put him out there with the cows and the sheep and the doves and, and all the stuff the cows do. Hey, come on, can we be real with this? You know, there was no sweet smelling savor out there. There was a smell, but it wasn't sweet. Okay? And the Jews, you know, they would leave that and go into their holy place and do the little incense and burn their stuff and make their smell nice. I am shocked that any Gentile got saved. You know, and then the Jews would have the nerve to say, Oh yeah, they went to hell because they didn't believe in our God. No, they went to hell because of you. Because you're a stinking attitude and and you're stinking everything, okay? Alright, back to this. Fourth, he fulfilled messianic prophecy. Prophecy said that the Messiah would come and he would get rid of everything that wasn't right. Okay, he would come and cleanse the whole place out. He did that. That in itself was a sign. It was prophesied that the Messiah would do that. Are you all here? Amen? And so that's the reason why that should have been the sign that they were looking for. That, was, that should have been the sign that God is in the house. We've messed up. God himself has turned up. And he is letting us know this will not stand. So instead of repenting, we all know they just went the other way. Alright, returning now to John chapter 2. John now inserts a short section to show how successful Jesus' ministry at Jerusalem was at this time. And also to reveal Jesus' knowledge of people and his independence of them, with verse 23 going on to say, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Now, the Spirit-filled Bible clear something up. He says, since the name represents the person, no qualitative difference exists between this expression and believes in him. You know, whoever believes in him shall not perish, have everlasting life. That's what John 3.16 says. So when they say that many believed in his name, they were actually saying that many believed in him. But notice when they saw the signs which he did. But it's interesting the signs that he's doing right now. He isn't healing anybody. He's clearing out a temple. Isn't that interesting? This is all in relation to what's just gone on. He has come in and he has done something that nobody else dared do, but everybody knew needed to be done. <laughs> Amen? Did you get that? You know what? And so they looked at it and thought, that has got to be the Messiah. Only the Messiah would have the guts to come in here and do something like that and get away with it, so to speak. Do you know what I'm trying to say? They, they, couldn't, they couldn't attack him. Alright, every time they will. And you're going to see this happening more and more as they go on. They'll, they'll start to attack him more and more because they, will, they won't get what they want from him. And that's the problem with Jesus and that's the problem sometimes with people today as well. Let me just talk to you as ministers just for a minute. Sometimes people want stuff from you because they want stuff from you, not because God is saying that is what needs to be done. 
Hear me, okay? And so they'll start expecting things from you and the attitude will be, if you don't do this, then you know what? We, we don't know whether we want to believe in the stuff you're on about and you know, we don't want to have anything to do with you and blah, blah, blah. So if you want to you know, get me saved or if you want to try to get me to a church or whatever, then you have to do all these things. And you, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, forget about it. We don't want them here. <laughs> okay? No, with that attitude, they'll become a problem to us anyway. That's not the way this works. And there are going to be people that will try to emotionally blackmail you. Don't let them do it. Okay? You do what God asks you to do. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, the daughters of God. Do you understand? Amen? Not the ones that are being led by people. Amen. Now, you know, the sad thing is, people will do stuff and bend to the will of other people so that they can, at the end of the day, say, oh, well, look, I've got this big thing and I've, you know, look what I've done. And can I say this? That's exactly right. Look what you've done. Let's see if God's happy. Because it may not have been what God wanted done. And sometimes you can do the right thing the wrong way. And all the people get blessed but not you. How can that happen? Well, while you're laying hands on the sick, you're going, oh yeah man, look at me, I'm so amazing. You know what I'm trying to say? And people are getting healed. You lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. If you have any faith, stuff will be happening. And they might have their own faith. Remember Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Some people will come up there and it's their faith that will make him whole. But you think it was you because it was your hands. Hello. <laughs> okay. And can I tell you, you know what will happen? The person praying for you won't get any reward. Even though the person in the congregation is going, Oh, they're such a great pastor, a great teacher, a great evangelist. Wow, look at them. They're amazing. They get to heaven and they'll probably be the last in line. Amen. And some old granny will turn up. And no granny, you're the one that kept the church alive. Amen. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, can I just say this? Whatever you do for God, you'll be recognized. Maybe not down here, but up there. Up there is forever. Down here is temporary. Just so you know. Anyway. Since again the name represents a person, no qualitative difference exists between this expression and believes in Him. This does not mean that they actually committed their lives to Him. It just means that they verbally professed to accept Him. Perhaps more out of fascination than anything else. Be careful of that too. We know that the Lord is only interested in genuine conversion and commitment, not those looking for the sensational and spectacular. D.A. Carson writes this. I think it's really interesting. He says, To exercise faith on the grounds of having witnessed a miraculous sign is precarious. It's like unstable and unsafe. Okay. However, when I do that in brackets, so you guys know what that word means. Aren't I sweet? Anyway. <laughs> See, now I don't get a reward. No. <laughs> no, no. I used to have enormous problems when I was reading notes and people do quotes and I don't know what half the thing means. So I have to go home and look up the dictionary and write things all over the place. So I thought if ever I do this, I'll always let you guys know what they were on about. Anyway, I know some know this word, but some people don't, okay? okay? Some people actually don't. Okay, so, back to this. Listen to this. He says, to exercise faith on grounds, listen carefully for as a minister, listen and take this in, okay? Please, take this in. To exercise faith on the grounds of having witnessed a miraculous sign is unstable and safe. However, it is better to believe on the ground of miracles than not at all. Amen? So don't be judgmental. You know, some people might just come for that. Hallelujah, at least they came. Okay, they could have been at a footy game or something. 
God had no chance of getting to them in that place. But at least if they come here, even for the wrong reason, at least if they come, there's a chance that God can get through. Are you all here? So that's why we have to be so careful that we haven't got this eye of criticism. I exercise a lot of mercy and grace, you know, when it comes to people coming to church. Do you know why? For this reason. And, you know, people that have a zeal for God and that want to be doing all the right things all the time. And I thank you for doing that. For those people that do that, I thank you. But you know, sometimes in that zeal, you can look at other people and get a bit critical. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay, how do you know? Because I was one of those people, okay? (laughs) And then one day I realized, you know, I I love everybody. I love the ones that are full of zeal, because thank God there's somebody there to start the service with. And also love the people that turn up whenever they turn up. Because at least maybe God has a chance of getting through to them. Are you all with me? Because we kind of lost a few people along the way in the past because of criticism, because we had a critical spirit. And so, you know, I I realize now, hey man, it's better for them to be in church than not come. That's why I tell people, even if they're running late, just come. We love to have you here. You know, it's better for them to hear God for five minutes even than not at all for that week. You're here. Amen. So be that way. Be generous as a minister, whoever you're ministering to, whatever's going on. Just have a generous attitude and a generous spirit. Okay, the thing that Jesus got angry was not how early or late people were. It's people were doing the wrong thing. They were doing stuff that they knew were against God's will. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's different. And be careful what stuff you put into that category. Sometimes we put the stuff we like to put in there, not what God actually says is, are you all here? Yeah, okay. It's true that people should do the right thing by God. We know that. They know that. They're not that dumb. They know. Okay? The worst thing that we can do is judge them for it. Because then they won't come. Then you've lost them. Okay? So that's, that, again, as long as they're coming, there's hope. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. So, we see this in what Jesus says first. Now, we're talking about signs, alright? Jesus had a bit of an issue with these people that are always looking for signs. Jesus says first in John chapter 4, verse 48, He says, Jesus therefore said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply won't, will not believe. <laughs> okay? Now, this is what Jesus gets angry about. People constantly going to Him, prove to us. Show us a sign. He's like, my goodness. And you know, the people that he speaks to now, here's something else. When people know better and they ask for signs, that's annoying. When people don't know anything and they ask for a sign, then it's your responsibility to give them one. Hear me, okay? Because if they don't know God and they're not spiritually reborn and they don't know anything, you can't expect them to believe anything. They don't have the capacity. You are born again, you're a new creature, they're not. They're still dead on the inside. The only thing they can do is, you know, you do something that will kind of just go, get them going, wow, okay, I never saw that before. <laughs> you know? And that kind of opens the door a little bit now. You're here? Amen? So th- that's, one of the, that, that's one of the reasons I say that when we get to the gifts of the Spirit and we start talking about all the power gifts and stuff, you need to understand that those things are not necessarily for the church. It's for outside. It's the dinner bell. It rings a bell. It lets people know God exists. Amen? We're going to see in the very next chapter, 
chapter in John and also chapter in the book, okay, uh, when, when Jesus is going to talk to Nicodemus. That's the next thing. That's the next event that we're going to see. All right? And the thing that he says is, I know you're from God because of the signs, the things you're doing. My goodness, family, if a religious person needs that, the world really needs it. Amen? Okay. Back to this. He says here again, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Notice he says, you will not believe. That's a, that is a choice not to believe. John 10.37 uh, here, here again, Jesus says, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. See, he's saying, okay. If that's the case, then, then you know what? Then you've got to do this. If I do something, and you see something, and you know it's from God, then you need to believe. You ask for a sign, I give you one, you better believe. You better not say, that was an accident, or that was lucky. That's the name of a dog. Okay, <laughs> right? that, that's, that's nothing to do with God. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you ask for something, we pray for something, it happens. You need to do something about that now. Because God will only go so far and then He'll say, You want to go to hell? Go to hell. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like Gideon, you know. Wet blanket, dry blanket, wet blanket, dry blanket. <laughs> My goodness, God really had patience with him. Anyway, but you know what? Again, he was not born again. He's hiding out in some wine press. He didn't have any other, you know, scrolls to look at. I mean, you know, God will go to certain lengths when people have very little at hand. You know, people always say, What about the people in the deepest jungles of Africa? And they, I tell you, God will do whatever it takes. So you can't even go there with that. You, unless you are living there, you all don't know how much God has turned up and what He has done. There is also, I could go into all sorts of stories about things that they have found, that people had no contact with anybody about Christianity, and they have revelation on the Trinity, and all kinds of things drawn in rocks. <coughs> Don't tell us that stuff. And the devil never shows that stuff, because he doesn't want anybody to know that. Because he wants all the Christians, all the dumb Christians to go, yeah, but what about? And you know, get caught up in dumb things. Okay, back to this. Sorry about that. <laughs> you can tell I have issues with some of this stuff, don't you? Alright, I'm sorry. Alright. Now, although no more signs are mentioned in this chapter, John makes it clear that there were, in fact, many other signs which he did. And makes two statements at the end of his gospel to support this. First is in John chapter 20, verse 30, where he says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And can I just add to this as well? Sometimes it wasn't recorded in any of the other gospels either. Okay? Jesus did a lot of stuff. Now, that's the reason why I said, as you start studying the Gospels, and as we're doing this, you'll begin to notice this, that every sign that was related to us had something behind it. It wasn't for the sake of the sign that that, that incident was put in there. There was something else. Okay, and I could go through a whole list of. Uh, let me pick one, just out of the just out of the air. Uh, say, for example, the Roman centurion. Okay, remember when he came and said, "You know, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed." Uh, that wasn't the important thing. We learn amazing things from that, and the miracles. The important thing was what Jesus said right after. He turned around and he said, "This is." A preview of what is to come. 
There are going to be people coming from the north and the south. He was saying that the whole world is going to receive the gospel and they are going to respond to it like this. This wasn't just for the Jews. And they're going to come. They're pretty, they're, in a sense, they're going to make the Jewish nation ashamed of itself by the way they're going to believe. Amen. That's us. Okay? That's what he said. Whoever will believe, if they lay hands on the sick, they will recover. He said, you guys are going to believe. There's going to be a group, a generation, a, a, you know, people that are going to come that will believe and do without complaining like this. <laughs> Whining about a sign here and there. They're going to create, they're going to make the signs. Not always look for them. Awesome. And that was just, that was just an awesome thing. And, he, and that's the reason why Jesus said, and that's why it relates, what He said after it, He says, I haven't found faith, no, not like this in Israel, not all of Israel. See, that's why it was where it was put. Okay? That wasn't Jesus kind of skipped a groove and went off in a direction and Jesus, <laughs> can we get back to this? You kind of missed it. No, He didn't miss any point. Boy, he preached something. That's why you can't study the life of Jesus without what he taught. Because what he taught was the whole point of what he did. Amen? And so every sign that was put in there had something phenomenal behind it. I mean phenomenal. So, let me say this to you. All the stuff that isn't written would probably curl your hair if it was written. There would have been stuff that was done that people would have just been just shocked out of their brain. Okay? But it, was, it, it would have been just a sign. But all of these things that are recorded, something else went with it. Some incredible truth was revealed. And so they put the sign in, they put the truth in. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember, it's not just the word. Amen? It's also the display of power. Okay? Signs and wonders. Okay. Alright. And second, John chapter 21 verse 25. And he says, And there are also many other things that Jesus did. Many other things that Jesus did. Can I say this? This is different to signs. The signs and things are two different things. You understand? Okay? A thing would be like Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. A thing would be like Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Those are things. Okay? Many other things Jesus did. Do you understand? Uh, there are some things that, that would fall into the category of turning water into wine. It would be a thing he did. There was no miracle. That, there was a miracle, but nobody got healed or anything. And they got drunk, but they didn't get healed. <laughs> well, you know, it makes the heart merry. Anyway... <laughs> Whatever. But, 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 but that was a thing. Walking on water was a thing. Calming the storm was a thing. Are you all with me? So there were other things that he did. Alright? But for whatever reason, they, they just didn't write all of them. Can you imagine if they wrote all of it? Oh, wow. And look at what he says, why it was written. He says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And he has to put an amen after that. I will put an amen after that. I want to go amen. Okay? You know, what, what am I saying in this? The reason I want to point that out to you is this. Some people, okay. 
Now please be mature in the way you take this. Okay? Some people say, if it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to do it. I have a verse for you. There are stuff that wasn't written that God might be asking you to do that Jesus did do. Amen? So don't be afraid. There's stuff that we haven't seen. We, that was there. It wasn't recorded. So if he asks you to do something, it's a little crazy and a little bit like, ooh, Jesus never did that. No. Of the Gospels, we don't know that he did it. But in his life, who's to say? Because John said there was too much to write. We just didn't know where to put the, you know, put the pen down and put a full stop on this thing. We just had to say, okay, out of the 6,000 miracles, let's take you know, six or seven and, and see how they relate and what, uh, you know, what truths we can communicate to the people and let's do that. Because otherwise, they'll look at it and go, oh my God, this book has like 6,000 chapters. Uh, that's a little, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, disheartening, man. I don't think I'll get through this whole book in my whole life. So let's just bring it right down. You know the miracle was that they distilled it down to such a small volume? That was the miracle. John has just told us that the stuff that they saw and the stuff he did doesn't fit in anything. Now, just three years, obviously a lot went on. Amen? Alright, continuing on to John chapter 2 verse 24. Let's finish this off today. Regardless of people's reaction to the Lord, it says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men. Now that is a key statement there. Okay, D.A. Carson says that in the Greek, verse 23 and 24 convey the thought, The people trusted in his name, but he did not entrust himself to them. Did you get that? Alright. Be careful. People may trust you, but be careful who you entrust things to. It is, um, it is a very fragile place you stand in when you're a minister. Okay? People have this idea about ministers. Okay? They, to have an idea. All right? And it's, you have to be careful that you're not sharing too much with them and trusting them with certain information that may wreck how they see you and how they receive from you. And you're a pastor that used to just tell everybody all of his faults. Because he used to say, well, you know, I just want to be honest with people and stuff. You know what? It makes it very hard for people to receive from him because they're seeing so many faults. After a while, all they see is the faults laying hands on them and they're thinking, what gives you the right to stick your hand, you dirty old man, on me? Expect anything to happen. Hello. Can I just say this? Nobody is perfect. I know that... Uh, Massive revelation to some of you. <laughs> okay, no. I know you know this, okay? But some people just don't know that. Okay? They think if you're a minister, you're perfect. If you're not a minister, well, welcome to the human race and the rat pack and everything else. Okay, we're all a bunch of sinners. And you know, reverend, you know, we want to do things we don't want you around. So we're not inviting you to that party. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I got stuff like that coming at me. I'm like, dude, I know what goes on. 
My question is, do you going to repent about it or are going to keep doing it? <laughs> okay. And God's always watching you. Hello. All right. So, okay, let's move on from here. But do you understand what I'm trying to say? Just be careful. Just be careful. As you, as you become more and more, you know, people of ministry and ministers, whether you realize or not, as you're learning and growing right now, okay, people will start seeing you in a different light. Okay? And you can talk to your peers, but be careful who you talk to that's coming to you for ministry, how much you tell them. There are some things you can say. You can let people know that you have bad days as well and all that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about all that stuff. Okay? But be careful how far you go with stuff. Because after a while, some of them will use that against you if you ever have a falling out. Do you hear me? And they'll go and tell everybody else, oh, did you know they do this and they do that? Hello. Okay, anyway. Let's move on. I didn't want to spend so much time on that, but never mind, maybe you need to know that. So, William Hendrickson explains that Jesus did not look upon these individuals as being true believers to whom his cause could be entrusted. The reason why he did not do this was because he knew just what was in the heart of anyone with whom he would come in contact. Okay? So he'd know what's in people's hearts. He knew not to entrust certain things to them. Even when he said it to Peter. When he said, I've got to go do this. And Peter rebuked him and said, you're not going to go die. I mean, even his disciples were missing the point half the time. Are you all with me? Amen. You know, sometimes you you say things and people rebuke you because you're making a bad confession or something. Alright, sometimes there are some things we need to do. I'm not talking about sickness and disease and stuff. But you know, sometimes you need to say, okay God, you know what? I'm going to stop eating for a couple of days or whatever. I'm going to go on some kind of a fast because I need to talk to you. I need to hear. And somebody else might go, oh, don't worry. You know, you hear from God enough. You don't need to do all that stuff. Are you here? Do you see what I'm trying to say now? Okay? That sort of stuff. And sometimes just don't say anything to anyone. Just do what you need to do. Be quiet. Jesus said, don't let anybody know. Put perfume on if it starts stinking or whatever. Just make sure nobody knows. Okay? Just do it quietly between you and God. That's one of the reasons. Amen? Okay, alright. So this was made abundantly clear when Jesus saw Simon Peter, again, knowing people's hearts, for the first time, and also when he first met Nathaniel. Both instances are recorded in this particular gospel to support not only this statement, but also what was to come in chapter 3. Recounting first Jesus' encounter with Simon Peter, remember that he, it said again in John 1.42, and he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Okay, which when translated is Peter. All right. Following this, there was also Jesus' encounter with Nathaniel. Remember again, when he, he said Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him, he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And we talked about that. Okay, that was also no, no Jacob there. All right. And that's one of the reasons why the Apostle John goes on to say in John chapter 2 and verse 25, And had no need that anyone should testify of man or have to tell him anything about anyone. All right? Nobody had to come and say, oh, now watch out for that person, Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. Jesus knew. Okay? For he knew what was in man. The other reasons for making this statement is brought out in what D.A. Carson says. And that is the one who knew all men, who did not need man's testimony about man, now enters into a number of conversations in which he instantly gets to the heart of individuals with highly diverse backgrounds and and needs. Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman, the Gentile official, and the man at the pool of Bethesda. And it goes on. 
Okay, so they're all going to be very different. Notice Nicodemus, very religious. Woman at the well, exact opposite. <laughs> okay, and you know, different classes as well. Okay, and so on and so forth. And we'll see all this. In all these encounters, Jesus has full knowledge of what was in both men and women, and so knew what was going on in their lives, and therefore why each behaved the way they did. Let's stop there, and we'll pick this up in a fortnight. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment.